Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. We just prayed for Dr. Chung Fung, who is a beloved part of our church family. You may be visiting today or not aware that he had a massive heart attack and uh, his heart is severely damaged. So we are in prayer for them. His youngest daughter got married yesterday. So he missed his daughter's wedding. And his daughter walked down the aisle by herself. So keep them in mind. Please pray for them throughout the day today. The irony of life. Last Sunday we celebrated our birthday. Four years as a church family. And what a party it was. It was exciting to see over 320 some people gathered, jam-packed into our auditorium, our worship center uh, yesterday, or I should say last Sunday morning, and after the service, so many enjoyed the picnic out on the patio and out in the back uh, as we watched the kids ride the pony. Uh, it was a very special Sunday for us, and I want to thank all of you for coming. For those of you who were here and came to the service, thank you so much for being here, and thank you also for those, to those of you who worked so hard to make it happen. It's unbelievable how many people it takes to to make something like that uh, come together. So thank you very much. Today we return to our study in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn to Acts chapter 11. Or use your Bible app and open it up to Acts chapter 11. You know, we started teaching in the book of Acts uh, back in February, and we're just starting the 11th chapter today out of 28 chapters. So we're going to be in Acts for a little while longer. However, we're going to take a break over the summer, and in July and August, we're going to preach in the book of Proverbs, the Old Testament book of Proverbs. So uh, that could become uh, your summertime reading. You could, you could sink into the Proverbs as we preach on different topics and different passages through Proverbs. That starts, I think, the fir- very first Sunday of, of July. So that should be fun. Reading now from Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying... And in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up 
again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. In Acts chapter 2, that goes back quite a few weeks, but in Acts chapter 2 we witnessed the conversion of 3,000 people who responded to the preaching of the gospel. In Acts chapter 6, a few weeks later, we read that the word of the Lord continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus, this this, um, legalistic Jew who was bent on destroying Christians, was going from place to place, persecuting Christians, putting them in prison, and even putting them to death. He was dramatically converted to faith in Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. That was Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 10, we, we witnessed the conversion of Cornelius, who was not only a soldier, but he was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew, he was a Gentile. And up until now, the apostle Peter's work has been primarily among the Jews. But we're about to see a significant change take place. This interaction with Cornelius suddenly puts Peter at the very center of the mission to the Gentiles. But not everybody's happy. Not everybody's happy with this change of focus in ministry. A lot of them thought, they actually thought that the gospel belonged to the Jews and not to the Gentiles. That it was specifically a Jewish message and a Jewish experience. So, when Peter returns to Jerusalem, he encounters great criticism from people who thought that he should not be associating with non-Jews. Let's go back to Acts chapter 11, verse 1, the very first verse I read, and have a, have a look. Let's de- dig a little deeper. Verse 1, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So Peter had his hands full. You usually do when people rise up and start criticizing you. You know, it's, it's, it's a handful. And, and, and he responded very carefully to his critics. His response was simple and straightforward. He just recounted what had happened. He, he, he just retold the events, beginning in verse 5. And he says, I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet 
descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, all things that Jews shouldn't eat or, or, or partake of. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Oh, no, Lord, by no means, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Peter's saying, I've kept the law to the leather of the law. I've not even eaten any of these forbidden foods. But in verse 9, the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. So he's getting schooled. And, and we, have, we just have this sense that God is up to something new here, something different. Peter's going, what? Like, okay, but where are we going with all of this? Then he mentions how the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles just like he did upon the Jews in the beginning. He says in verse 15, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And then he says, I remember the word of the Lord Jesus, how he said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter's all of a sudden saying, And these Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on them just like he did on us at the beginning. In other words, when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to faith in Jesus, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. There's no distinction between Canadian and Vietnamese. There's no distinction. We're in Christ and we're baptized with the same Holy Spirit. There's no difference. Don't call them unclean. The gospel is meant for them too. And then, and then Peter asks these brothers in the Lord who seem to be full of criticism and suspicion and apprehension. He says in verse 17, If then God gave them the same gift as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Peter was thoroughly and completely convinced that God's grace was at work among the Gentiles and to stand in God's way was not only foolish but unsafe. You don't want to go there, Buster. You don't want to stand in God's way. If God's up to something, you want to join him, not oppose him. December 26, 2004, a magnitude 9.1 earthquake struck beneath the Indian Ocean near Indonesia, generating a massive tsunami that claimed more than 230,000 lives in 14 countries, the largest natural disaster ever recorded. Tilly Smith was a, a very determined delightful, bright 10-year-old girl who actually saved her parents and dozens of other vacationers from the deadly tsunami because she had learned just recently about tsunamis in school. And so she recognized the signs of the tsunami. And that day, she courageously spoke about what she knew to be true. As Tilly's family enjoyed a delightful, peaceful day on the beach there, 
the sea began to bubble and, and rush away from the shore. Not into the shore, but away from the shore. And everybody was wondering what was happening, but, but Tilly was struck with fear. She was absolutely afraid. Mommy, mommy, we must get off the beach now, she said. We must go now from the beach. While the adults didn't understand her warning until Tilly explained that a tsunami is like a giant tidal wave. They understood that, so off they went. Moments later, the water surged right over the beach and demolished everything in its past, including the resort that they were staying at, completely destroyed. But on that section of the beach, where Tilly sounded the warning, there was no loss of life. Right at that, in that little slice of beach, the people uh, managed to escape. Tilly was praised for sounding the alarm. Listen, we all know that the judgment of God is coming and it's going to hit like a tsunami. So we have, we have got to warn people. We've got to tell people that there is a tsunami of judgment coming. And the only way to escape that judgment is to trust in Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of all. Am I right? That's what the Bible says. We must courageously speak about what we know to be true. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are we ready to tell others? Are we willing to tell others? Are we willing to tell others who are different from us? If God wants to give the same gift to them that he gave to us when we believed, who are we that we should stand in his way? We need to. We must tell people. The gospel that we sing about, the gospel that we talk about, the gospel that we pray over, it's for the nations. It's for the Burmese and the Chinese and the Vietnamese. The gospel is for the Australian and the Bolivian and the Croatian. The gospel is for Hindus and Sikhs and Buddhists and Jews. The gospel is for all people and for all nations. It's for the religious and the non-religious. It's for the nuns and the duns. It's for all. The gospel is for all nations. This is the gospel and the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And back in, back in Acts chapter 11, verse 18, Peter's hearers were amazed at that. I mean, they just, they were simply amazed. Verse 18 says, when they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I mean, they were stating the obvious. As Peter had said, this has already happened. The Holy Spirit fell on them just like he did on us at the beginning. And their summary statement is, okay, then God has also granted repentance to the Gentiles. Exactly. Exactly. Peter shared his vision and God brought about change. 
God brings about change and he brings about church multiplication through men and women who share the vision of God with people who will listen. That's the way it was with Francis of Assisi. And that's the way it was with John Wesley and John Calvin and William Carey and Amy Carmichael and William Booth and Corey Ten Boom and Billy Graham. These ambassadors of Jesus Christ imparted their vision and the horizons of those around them were broadened and broadened and stretched and stretched until they were able to get their arms around the mission of God and the vision of God and the calling of God for that day in their generation. God is extending a new call to us. Are we going to embrace it? Are we going to grab hold of what God is calling us to do and get the gospel to the end of the earth? It says in Acts eleven eighteen, they glorified God. Oh, and they were right to glorify God. God is the one who brings salvation. Peter was the, the mouthpiece. You know, he was the spokesman. But it was God they glorified because God is the one who brings salvation. God is the one who opens access to heaven. God is the one who grants repentance. God is the one who, who gives faith. God is the one who forgives our sin. God is the one who puts a new song of praise in our mouths. God is the one who deserves our praise. They were right to glorify God. And so are we. And my friends, the whole point of the narrative in Acts chapter 11 is that the gospel is for the nations. God's conversion of Peter's attitude. See, before he really had, could stir something brand new, he had to change Peter's attitude. He had to convert Peter's attitude toward the Gentiles and toward the gospel itself. God's conversion of Peter's attitude and God's spiritual conversion that he brought about in Cornelius paved the way for the Gentile mission. Whether you know it or not, Acts chapter 11 is really a turning point. Not just in the book of Acts, but in the, in the, in the development of the church and the multiplication of the church in the New Testament. Acts chapter 11 is critical. It's a critical turning point. Peter's testimony would be instrumental in leading this mother church in Jerusalem to reach out to the rest of the world, to open up the riches uh, that had been deposited in the Jerusalem church to the rest of the world. It's a turning point in the overall mission of God right here in Acts chapter 11. This, this new commitment to get the gospel out to the nations will now unfold. And from, from now on till the end of the book of Acts, from chapter 11 to chapter 28, Pastor Garth and Pastor Phil and anyone else who might preach from this pulpit uh, on, on the book of Acts will, will be talking about the gospel that goes to the Gentiles. Not just the Jews. It's now in the possession of the Gentiles also. It's not just a Jewish religion. It's for the nations. And sometimes I think we forget that. I think we forget that. I spent a few years in my early teens, as a preteen and early teen, in northern Alberta, uh, in a town that was surrounded by several reservations. You grow up in a community like that, you, you absorb some prejudice. Do you know what I'm talking about? Prejudice? You know what that is, right? 
I'm, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. Of course you do. And, and maybe you didn't grow up next to a reservation or you didn't live next to aboriginal peoples, but you might live next door across the street from people from other nations. And if we're not careful, we begin to think that, you know, this is, this is for us. Those, those people, their kind, people from those countries... Yeah. We forget that the gospel is for the nations. And some of those nations just live down the street from you now. The nations have come to Windsor. Praise the Lord. What a great opportunity we have. So every time you share the love of God with someone here who has come from Vietnam or from China or from Mexico or from the Middle East or from a reservation. Every time you share the love of God with people from another culture, from another nationality, you're actually engaging in the revolution of Acts chapter 11. You're entering into the revolution of Acts chapter 11 because Acts chapter 11 is all about getting the gospel to the nations. So every time you share the gospel with, to, with somebody from another nation, you're going, ha, Acts 11, I'm part of it. A part of the revolution of God. You've heard of ecotourism, right? You know, where people go on vacation to help support the conservation efforts of the world. You know, tree huggers unite. And so they go on vacation together and, and learn more about conservation around the world you've heard of that but have you heard of action vacations so for $3,700 uh, you can leave boredom behind during a three-day vacation that is guaranteed to blow the cobwebs out of your life at an ex-CIA training facility just outside of Tucson Arizona former US Special Forces officers promised to help you beat the boredom blues by making you feel like James Bond. Upon your arrival, according to the brochure, upon your arrival, a professional off-road racer will take you speeding through the desert while you shoot at pop-up terrorists with a paintball gun. $3,700. And when that ends, a professional race car driver will teach you how to drive a car like they do in action movies. You'll learn how to use the emergency brake and the steering wheel and the gas pedal all at once to put the car into a spin. Sound like fun? The weekend concludes with a simulated hostage crisis that is so real it's scary. So an action vacation, an action vacation may actually alleviate the boredom blues for a day or two, but it's not going to last forever. And it certainly does nothing to shift the attitude spiritually in the world. On the other hand, Jesus challenges us to participate in a mission far more significant than pretending to be secret agents in the desert. He said to us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, I wouldn't only pay $3,700 for that. I'd give my life, wouldn't you? That sounds like an adventure I want to be on. You see, the gospel's for the nations, and we can't give up. We can't stand in God's way. We've got to share the grace and power of God with as many people as possible who are still living far from God. Why? Because they're counting on us. Who told you? Someone, someone brought the gospel to you so that you could believe. We can't stand in God's way. We better not stand in God's way. That's not safe or wise. You, remember, you may remember the story, I think it was back in 2002, when nine Pennsylvania miners were trapped underground 240 feet below the surface. For three days, we've, we were glued to CNN, following all of the rescue uh, efforts and praying for a miracle. Within 24 hours of the disaster, they managed to sink an air pipe down to where the miners were. Not sure that they hit the right spot, but... Then the miners started tapping on the pipe and they knew they'd hit the right spot. 24 hours later, an unexpected obstacle hindered the rescuers. Only a third of the way through the solid granite rock, the drill bit broke. Took them 18 hours to fish out the pieces of the broken drill bit. And by now, the oxygen below is diminishing. So much so that one of the miners decided as they were trying to get enough air to breathe, that he would write his family and his wife a note. He found a crayon and a piece of cardboard below the surface and wrote, tell them I love them. Fought the tears because he thought the rescuers had given up. Rescuers hadn't given up. Precious lives were in jeopardy. And eventually... They reached the trap miners, they sank another shaft, and much to the dismay of all who were watching, the miners were brought to the surface uh, and were greeted with thunderous applause. Remember that on CNN? Well, just like those trap miners, many people are depending on our persistence to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and not quit. They're, they're, they're waiting to be rescued. Some of them don't know that they need to be rescued yet, but that's our job. We have a lady in our, our, our church whose sister had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. She wanted so desperately to share the good news of Jesus with her sister, but her sister wasn't interested. She asked another pastor, another part of the province, to go and visit her sister Instead, the pastor said, you go visit her. You share the gospel with her. You, you've got what it takes. If you've got the gospel and you know Jesus, you can share with her. She did. And so did a few other people. And her sister just recently professed faith in Jesus. So, so we have to keep sharing with people because they need to be rescued. What a difference it makes when we look at people through the eyes of Jesus. What a difference it makes. Remember how Jesus looked upon the people and he, he saw them as sheep that were lost and scattered? Sheep without a shepherd. 
It makes such a difference when we look at people through the eyes of love. Not through eyes of condemnation. Not through eyes of prejudice. But through eyes of love. Makes such a difference. Peter's story really reminds us that God wants us to, 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 to have his love instilled into our hearts and to share that love with as many people as possible to those who are lost and broken. God wants us to know that this gospel is for all nations, not just for us. And you're thinking, that is, that is over... That's an overwhelming task. Well, it is if you're trying to do it alone. But if you belong to a, a, a large family like this and everybody's doing their part, we can make it happen. It's, it's an overwhelming responsibility. You're saying, I can't do that. I, I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't, know the, I don't know how to share my faith well enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. Or, or, or I've been a Christian so long that I've forgotten how to, how to lead someone to Christ. Can I just remind you, please remember that it's the ordinary people of God, like us, people, ordinary people who are equipped with the Word of God and empowered by the Spirit of God, people like us who are dedicated to the Son of God, we can actually accomplish the mission of God. We can do this. We, we, we cannot leave it up to paid missionaries and paid pastors to do the work. This is a work that belongs to all of us. And Peter's story in Acts chapter 11 is a good reminder to us that the gospel belongs to the nations. It belongs to the nations. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for making the gospel accessible to us. Thank you for the promise of power when we step out to witness uh, to our friends and neighbors and family. Uh, we have the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of their religious background and regardless of their nationality, regardless of their bias, the power of God, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. The gospel is for the nations. And we want to do our parts right here, Lord, in Windsor, Essex, starting with the folks who live next door and across the street. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.